But today, for our second lesson, we turn to the book, the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is part of the wisdom literature of the Hebrew Bible, or uh, as we usually call it, the Old Testament. It's traditionally attributed to Solomon because of his famed wisdom, but scholars today find it doubtful the book was actually written by him. More likely, it's a collection of maxims or proverbs that were compiled over uh, a a series of time, uh, generations, decades, centuries. This is a book that is directed to the young. Uh, to, to, to our youth, aiding them in giving practical and ethical instruction to live by God's law as they set out for life. So it seems like a wonderful place to turn as we begin a new school year and as we begin a, a new program year here at WPC. But before we read our passage, I want to introduce you to an awesome biblical character, one you may be unfamiliar with, and that character is Lady Wisdom. That is wisdom, the idea of wisdom personified as a woman. I hope you get to know her today because as one scholar says, she has much to offer us and is eager to share it generously. So far, Lady Wisdom in the book of Proverbs has been described as a guide or as a beloved sister or bride. She embodies everything that is life-giving and nurturing. Scholar Bruce Waltke says, uh, Proverbs portrays Lady Wisdom as a unique woman who wears the mantle of a prophet, carries the scrolls of wise men, and wears a goddess-like diadem. Her nemesis is known as Lady Folly, who represents everything that is opposite of wisdom, everything that endangers or simply drains life. Everything that is reckless. Some scholars claim that these two were opposing street preachers uh, back in the day. But to me, it seems more likely that these personifications are used as an illustration to capture these big ideas of wisdom and folly. In our reading today, Lady Wisdom invites us to her abundant feast and invites us to stray from the ways of immaturity, which in Hebrew is the same word for foolishness. I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the ninth chapter of Proverbs, beginning with the first verse, and I'll actually stop at verse 6. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her animals. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servant girls. She calls from the highest places in town. You that are simple, turn in here. To those without sense, she says, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Lay aside immaturity and live and walk in the way of insight. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. And thanks be to God. As I've shared with the children earlier, for centuries now, people have believed that food and our minds are connected in some mysterious way, and certainly connected in some way that's beyond physiology. Whether it's the the popular phrase of food for thought, 
or the belief that a late-night fast-food run in college and grad school would give me that extra boost to finish that term paper. Much work is being done in our school systems to ensure that our children receive filling, nutritious meals so that they have the needed sustenance to learn and grow. We've come a long way from my time in school when our district claimed that pizza and french fries counted as vegetables. Not kidding. But in our reading today from Proverbs, we see just how far back this idea goes that wisdom and food, that feasting, go hand in hand. The first nine chapters of Proverbs are essentially an introduction to the book, placing its readers at a crossroad forcing them to make a decision. Will you follow the way of wisdom or of folly? I imagine this is part of the inner monologue of many of our parents this week as a new school year begins. And this was exactly the collective worry of the Hebrew community, teaching its young folks to walk in the paths of wisdom. We want the best for our kids, especially as they venture off on their own. And we as parents know where some of the pitfalls lie along the way. The path of wisdom is synonymous in the Bible with following the Torah, of being led by God's law in their life. As our psalm said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is understood as both a quality of God, but also a way of life to which we are invited. This way of life, uh, this way is life-giving and sustaining. Proverbs tells us that following wisdom is like a lifelong journey of discovery, curiosity, and joy. It's mindful. It's selfless. On the other side, however, is the way of folly. It is a life that is distanced from God. It's mindless. It's reckless. It's life-draining. It takes tempting shortcuts. If you continue on in Proverbs 9, it tells us that it's actually the way of death itself. Now, this sounds a little doom and gloom, I know, but I don't think this was the intention of the writer. No, this is a passage of hope. The choice between wisdom and folly is a really easy one. This instead, rather than being a warning or a danger, this is a warm invitation into this joyful, abundant life. In our reading today, we get invited ourselves to Lady Wisdom's Feast. This invitation begins with her preparations for the feast, as many of you who host big dinners or uh, big family functions or dinner parties know. The preparation is, is much of the story. Now, wisdom and food are often paired together in the ancient world, as I said. Salons and symposiums were ritualistic meals in the Greco-Roman world that paired good food with uh, similarly good and engaging conversation about philosophy and life in general. So this is a familiar image, but it's an intentional one as well summoning the young readers of Proverbs to discern how they want to be fed in life. How do you want to be fed? By wisdom? By seeking to follow God's law? 
Or do you want to be fed by folly, a finding your own way, a taking shortcuts, and so on? Lady Wisdom's invitation begins with the description of her building a home, hewing its seven pillars. Now, seven is one of those special numbers in the Bible. Whenever we hear it, we're supposed to know that something important's going on. It's supposed to be describing something as full or abundant or simply just complete. It's connected with the Gospel of John when Jesus invites followers to his father's home, where he's going to prepare many rooms, enough for all. It's no surprise that in the Middle Ages, the church interpreted this passage of Lady Wisdom building her home as an image of the incarnation, of God's word becoming flesh and dwelling with us. It's also commonly used even today for the dedication of a new church building, of wisdom making a home and extending a warm invite to all. Next, she prepares her feast. She prepares her feast by slaughtering animals, hinting that this is more than a typical meal but a festal banquet. She mixes wine, a common thing in those days done for special occasions. She mixes it with either honey or herbs to add flavor and spice to the wine. The wine and meat descriptions make it clear that wisdom's feast is a delicacy. Common folks in this day and time would only eat meat and drink wine on the most special of occasions. After this, she sets her table, preparing it for all who wish to dine with her. Lady Wisdom then calls for her servants to go out and gives an open invitation for everyone to join her at table. The call goes out to all. It says to those in the high places, that is royalty, the wealthy, and such, as well as to those who are simple, and even to those without sense. Wisdom's feast doesn't belong to one class, one culture, or one ideology. No, this this generous invitation is extended to everyone, calling all, as she says, to lay aside immaturity and walk in the life-giving way of insight, eating the bread and drinking the wine of her feast. If you've been in the church just a little while, you can see why this reading is paired with the gospel reading today, where Jesus tells his followers that he is the living bread from heaven from which people will never be hungry again. Many scholars connect the various bread sayings and parables of Jesus with Lady Wisdom's feast. The sixth chapter of John is one really long chapter in which Jesus declares that he himself is the bread from heaven. Those who feast on him, on his teachings, on his very presence, they will be filled and sustained. They'll never be hungry again. The gospel says that through this, Christ will abide, live in us, and we will abide in him. Just as physically eating food nourishes us physically, following the path of wisdom, that is following Christ, feeds us spiritually and mentally. But Jesus talks about feasts a lot in the four Gospels. Think of the parable of the banquet in Luke's Gospel, where the call goes out to the, the high and, and uh, uh, the, the wealthy folks in, in town, and they all make excuses why they can't attend. So the master goes out to invite the poor, the lame, the weak, the blind, extending the invitation to all. 
all the folks who would have been deemed unfit, and they are treated to a banquet of abundant delicacies. This invitation of wisdom and of Christ to be fed spiritually is also an invitation to a rich and abundant life of joy. Friends, I think because of our Puritan heritage as Presbyterians, so often we think of the church and the Christian life as having no frills. But here we see personified wisdom and Christ himself invite us to a lavish banquet with bread and sweet delicacies. The Christian life, a life on the path of wisdom and relationship with God, allows us to glimpse the abundance of God in a world of scarcity. This life is not one of depravity or of asceticism. It's a life of delight. It's a life that is meant to be enjoyed, seeking to grow and discover and learn no matter what age or stage of life we are in. This abundant life is different from the way folks in the prosperity gospel talk about an abundant life, by the way. This joy and this abundance, it's not about our own possessions, of having that bigger house, that nicer car, that bigger bank account. It's a joy and abundance in things that are rooted in our relationship with God. It's a life of joy and abundance in things like hope and compassion It's an abundance of peace and joy, things that can be shared and spread with all, so that all may know this invitation to the lavish feast in the kingdom of God. As the summer season of vacations and breaks from our day-to-day wear down, we may well reflect on wisdom's call, asking ourselves, Am I spending enough of my time and energy on the things that bring life and joy? Or am I overwhelmed by the things that are just simply life-draining? Do I need a break to simply stop and enjoy the abundance of gifts God has provided me in my life? As we prepare to begin a new program here here at WPC, we may well reflect on our own journeys along wisdom's path, and discern how we might grow as disciples this year. Are we following wisdom's path, seeking not only joy, but also to grow more and more in Christ? Friends, in a world of scarcity, where everyone wants more and there is never enough, wisdom invites us to a rich, abundant feast. On this journey of wisdom that we call the Christian life, We are invited not to a somber, deprived life, but rather one of joy and delight. Wisdom's call is not one of doom, but of hope. As we go back to school and to a new program year, may we also seek to continue on wisdom's path, walking in the way of insight, seeking to be fed at her banquet of joy and abundance, and remembering the great banquet awaiting us in the kingdom of God where our Lord awaits us as the beloved host. This past week, one of my seminary professors, the Reverend Dr. Katie Geneva Cannon, died from a battle with cancer. Dr. Cannon was the first African-American woman ordained in the Presbyterian Church USA and is considered to be one of the founders of womanist theology and ethics, 
That is theology and ethics from an African-American woman's point of view and perspective and worldview. I want to close the sermon this morning by uh, using the prayer that she used to begin every class. Because I think this really invites us well along wisdom's path today. O Lord, we ask that you show us the way. Show us the way to neither fortune nor fame, nor to win laurels or praise for our name. But show us the way to tell the great story, to live the great story. For thine is the commonwealth and the power and the glory forever. Amen.